Welcome to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. Cheers. Um, thanks for the welcome. Um, it's good to be here. Actually, awesome. You're, um, yeah, you've got a gift, and um, it's so amazing. I was um, just, I was, in, I heard you say earlier that oh, I've just got a couple of secular songs and then a worship song. I felt like the whole thing was like worship. You know, it was all worship. It was all, um, it was pointing to him because he's given you the gift and you're giving it back to him. It's real cool. So um, thanks, thanks for that. Um, and it was also cool um, the last song yes that you sung because I wanted you guys to know that he's, he's, he's good and he's loving and he's kind and he's full of compassion. Um, look, because like um, part of like being a disciple is like getting close enough to be rebuked and disciplined. Like, so you need to know that he loves you and he cares for you and he's, and he's kind and compassionate. You need to know that because when you get close, he like, he rebukes and disciplines us. Um, I love, I love um, the disciples. I, I, for a while I looked at the disciples in the Bible and I'm like, man, these guys like, <laughs> they're useless. They are absolutely like, why? Could you not see that's what he meant by that parable? Like, could you not see that? That was like obvious, surely. That was obvious. And then, um, and then I started to realize that, that that's me. That part of being a good disciple is asking stupid questions. Is, um, part of being a good disciple is um, getting the wrong idea. Part of being a good disciple is being close enough for him to rebuke and discipline you. Um, so this is a wee bit of my story. Um, I bring along my daughter Ruby, and um, she has been prepping something that she wanted to say, so you get the idea that God is for you, okay? So Ruby, do you want to come up and share what you've got? Hi, my name is Ruby, and I'm seven years old. Tonight I want to tell you what I know about our God. I think he is loving, kind, caring, and generous. I know this because the Bible says so. And Jonah 4 verse 2, You are tender and kind. You are slow to get angry. You are full of love. You, You are a good God. You are a God who takes pity on people. You don't want to destroy them. And in Psalms 145, it says, The Lord is gracious, kind and tender. He is slow at getting angry and thankful and full of love. The Lord is good to all. He shows deep concern for everything he has made. It's quite good that obviously you spoke about your kids because I'm the same. They teach me lots of stuff um, and they capture, capture things a lot faster than I do. It's um, good. Oh, quite often my kids will rebuke and discipline me. Um, that's humbling. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just wanted to share a verse from, from Luke. Um, it was about uh, John the Baptist. He was coming and he was making a way for the Lord. He was proclaiming um, to, to everyone in Israel um, that, that the Messiah was coming. And he says, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in. Every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight and the rough ways made smooth. And all mankind will see God's salvation. 
it's like I think like I don't know for me like that's my desire I, I want to see God's salvation I want to see um, people close to me um, my, my friends my family um, I want to see um, you know my community I want I want them to see and know God I want to see God's salvation and um, I work um, in a workplace where there's how long am I allowed to go Okay, okay, round about there. <laughs> Work, yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, I, um, I've got this heart that I want like, other people to know. And I thought a good way to show people um, that, that um, God loves them and that living for him is a good thing is like, I'll just be really good. Like if I'm really, really good, like people will see me as I go about my work and I'm like enjoying it and I'm doing it well. And they'll see me and look at me and go, man, he's good. Something must have happened in his heart to be that good. Like this is what I thought. And so I w- worked in my workplace for, for a long time just trying to be good. And I'd walk around looking for opportunities. Oh, I can help you do that. Just let me do that. I'll pick up that. Oh, yeah. Oh, let me sweep the floor over here for you. Hang on. I'll just be, I was just like really good. I was really, really good. Like, yeah, I, w- I was good at being good. And then, um, and then I read this, um, this, this uh, a couple of stories that I'll just share with you. Um, uh, when Jesus um, addressed the rich young ruler, um, Jesus started on his way and a man ran up to him and fell on his knees and said, Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And um, Jesus' reply to him was, well, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And I'm like, man, I call myself good all the time. Like, that's all I'm trying to be for the people around me is good. Like, I'm, I'm trying to be that person. Um, and so I was like, oh, man, like, it hit hard. And um, I was close enough to get the rebuke and discipline that, that something in me needed to change. That um, even the way I read this book, it all needed to change. Because um, I read this other story about the sower and the seed. And, um, you know, the, some fell on the rocky path, some fell on the stony soil, some fell um, among the weeds and thorns, and others fell, fell, fell in good soil. And uh, um, it grew and multiplied. And I thought, man, like I read that story, my, my heart was always the good soil. Because I'd read it, and I'd, like, I'd experience like, a change in my life, and I thought, it must be, like, like, I've experienced this, this good soil in me, like, because I've, I've heard his word and I've accepted it. And so, like, then I must be the good soil. That's how I read the soil. And, and that day, God says, um, actually, you're the soil with the weeds. You're the, you're, the, you're the seed I sow, and it's amongst weeds. And I'm like, <laughs> He's, yeah, if you're close enough, he'll rebuke and discipline you because he loves you. And he loves the people around you too much to let you stay the way you are. Far too much to let you stay the way you are. And it says, um, so because the disciples didn't get what he was talking about, like me, he um, explained it. And he says, um, the seed that falls among the thorns is like this. It says, um, the worries of life, life um, the deceitfulness of wealth. Did I, even, like, did I even think that wealth was deceitful? I'd chase hard after it. Like, I'd like, you know, like, I'd be like, oh, yeah, we'll just collect this stuff up so we can save for a new car. Like, I didn't think of wealth as deceitful. I'd even save it up so I could give it to my kids when I die. Like, 
I didn't think of like, well, I'm not saying that, you know, hear, hear what I'm saying. But for me, I was like chasing after the wrong things. And this is what God was pointing out to me. And he said also that um, the desire for other things come in and they choke. And I'm like, man, I don't want the kingdom as much as I used to want the kingdom. I don't think. And so God started um, dealing with me. And because um, my heart was for this thing that um, all mankind would see God's salvation. That's my heart. Like, that's what I want to see. I want to see whole communities changed. Um, and I read this, and it started to, to make a bit of sense that for this to happen, something needed to happen inside of me. Um, I don't know, you guys would be familiar that they're building like a highway out here. I'm not sure what that hill range is called. Anyone know? No one knows what the hill range is called. But <laughs> Graham's Farm... Um, it's happening in Graham's farm, and they're putting this road through. And um, it's um, they're calling it like there's this there's this one bit, and it's called the Tulpery Cutting, and it's um this bit, and it's like 80 meters high where they've had to cut out the top and then um, move move the soil away. Now, in my previous life, I worked for a surveying firm. Like when I was really young, I got made redundant from that job, so that's why I'm not a surveyor anymore. I think I was helpful enough there, but anyway. <laughs> um, we did a few um, roading pro projects and like um, some developments. And what we used to try and do when we were like doing a development or putting um, a new subdivision in is that we'd try and like to our best is to, to make the road um, in so that we didn't have to cart out much fill and we didn't have to cart in, in any fill. So what we'd do is try and knock off the tops You've probably done this when you're building races and stuff like that. You knock off the top and you push it into the valley um, so that the, 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 the low point, so that it's a, a flat road. So this is, this is what, was, was, what, what I know is a principle that works. It like, and this is the same principle they're using on this motorway. They're, they've pushed up the, off the top of this hill. They've done a big massive cutting and they've pushed it into a massive big valley. They're, they're moving like, I, I read in their thing, four million cubic meters of thing and it's just a, a million cubic meters just on that one cutting it's like they're cutting out this whole thing and they've got to make all the edges thing so that they can make the way straight and flat um, this is what they're doing um, so I'll read this verse to you again hopefully you'll sort of get where I'm going with it prepare the way of the Lord make straight paths for him every valley shall be filled in and every mountain and hill made low the crooked road, so that's like the road that goes around the edge of the, the Waikato River there. That road will be made straight. And the, all the potholes that we experience, um, they'll be made smooth when they're putting this like new tar seal through this other road. I don't know if you guys are for the, for the, for the Huntley by, Bypass. Um, hopefully you are, because it's going to do great things for the country. And this is what they're doing up here. Hopefully it does great things for um, Huntley too. It makes it like this wee nugget that's hidden away. <laughs> Not many people find out about. Um, yeah. <laughs> nah, no, Pocono's already doing that. <laughs> um, yeah. So this was the process... Um, that God started to do in my life. Um, he started to like 
knock off the mountain tops, and he started to fill in the valleys. Um, because I think what God wants to do is he wants to walk through our lives to the people around us. Um, and this is what he started to do in me. Um, I, I, I believe um, that these words are still true um, because I've, I experienced, like I've, my mother, she passed away um, in 2008 and she prayed prayers that were f- not just for her life but were for, be- for beyond her life. And when she died, I, was, I started to think about it. I was like, surely those prayers don't just fall dead. Like God is outside of time and he hears and he gave her the, the cry to cry out. So surely those things, like they're, they're more eternal than, than her life. And I started to think like there's been lots of prayers that have been prayed um, over this town. There's lots of been prayers that have been prayed over, over this region and over this country. And um, they've been prayed by saints that are no longer with us. But God is still faithful to the prayers that they've prayed. That He's asked them to lay down their lives and pray a prayer. And they've done that. And God's still faithful to those things. And I think as I was experiencing that with God, he was saying that John the Baptist is still crying out. His words are still true. His words are still crying out, and he's saying, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all mankind may see the salvation of God. It happened to me. So it's, it's a process that happens um, at the same time. You don't like deal with the valley and then the mountaintop, you deal with the mountain and the valley at the same time. You push that into there, and it sort of like becomes level at the same time. And this is what I experienced in my life. Like, I believe the mountains um, in my life, and maybe in your life as well, um, are pride and unbelief. We like think of ourselves more highly than we ought. This is what we do. We think we're good. We think we somehow um, have got lots to offer. We think that we've got all the answers. And this, is, um, this was pride and unbelief in my life. And, then, um, and the valleys are where these hidden things that I've hidden for a long time, like the things that I don't want God to know about, the val- those are the valleys. And the valleys need to be pulled up and the mountains need to be pulled down. And it's a simultaneous thing. I'll tell you how it happened, um, or some, some of the stories that happened for me. Um, being so good at work I'd like never steal anything but one day I was in the office and there was like this cupboard like full of stuff that I needed and there was some earplugs for my phone I thought oh they're just sitting in there like they're for someone so I'll, I'll, I'll just take them and I took them and I had them at home and then I was like <laughs> you get to this point and you're like oh, I can't actually use them now that I've stolen them because I didn't ask anyone for them so I couldn't use them and then I like felt like God saying yeah now you need to give them back um, and so I like quickly like snuck back in, put them back, and it was all good. And it says, and you're still full of pride. Now you need to confess what you've done. And so I would go to my boss, and I'd say, um, yeah, I'm sorry, I like stole stuff from your office. I took it home, and because I thought I needed it more than you, um, I'd use my phone for for watching my work phone for watching things that that no Christian man should watch. This is what I did. 
and, I, and I'd do the same thing. I'd like, I have to go and confess that. I have to go and like, like <laughs> say, like, this, is, this is who I am. Now, I say this because I know that God's love. I say this because I know that he's caring and I know that he's kind. Um, he's like, Paul, he knew, he knew this as well. He knew, like, how great is God's love for us. He knew how great God's love for us is. He said, like, yes, no, you can't get under it, around it. What? It's so massive, God's love for you. Um, and then he would say this. He would say, I would boast all the more in my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. He's like telling us to, to boast. That's why I would tell you these stories. I boast that I'm a sinful man. I am. But God has like pulled down my pride. And he's revealed hidden things in my life that have been long time hidden. <laughs> and he's brought them out. And um, he's making a straight way in me that he could walk and show himself um, to the people around me, to the people that I work with, the people that I do life with. Um, He opposes the proud. God actively stands in the way of the proud. Well, he was standing in my way. Well, why was he ever going to use me? I was like, thought I had all the answers. I thought I could like, um, and it would even happen in, in the way that I would talk to people. And I'd try and like, uh, I met this guy on the street once. He was, um, he was sitting on a park bench, um, sniffing glue. And I was like, God, like, he like did something in me. I had to go over and talk to this man. I sat down next to him and I'm like, man, do you want this for your life? Do you really want this for your life? And he's like, nah, nah, I've had some stuff to do with God and stuff. And I, oh, like, let me take you home. And so I said, but you can't bring the glue in the car. Like, that's, I'm not doing that. So you have to leave. The, and he goes, what do I do? I just throw it over there. We don't need it. So he threw it away. And we jumped in the car and we're cruising home. Um, cruising back to his place to drop him off. And I was like, oh, so what are you interested in? And he's like, oh, I really like gardening. I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. Well, well I know a few people that have like gardening jobs and, and stuff. Maybe I could like hook you up with something like that. I could bring around some plants. Like um, I'll get some plants and we could come around to your house and like do some gardening. And this was like my, my evangelism was just like making his life better. Like not actually like confronting him with like, stuff it was just like making himself better and um and so we arranged um a meeting and I felt like God said to me um I don't want you to go back there it's my job to save people it's not yours and this was another time where God was like humbling me down I drove around for a week watching um tomato plants in my back seat die and something in me was dying as well it was my pride it was my unbelief it was my doubt like it was all dying. And it was <laughs> through confession and those things, like he was making a straight way for himself that he could walk through my life. Um, a road of holiness, um, Isaiah talks about. He's making a way of holiness, a highway of holiness. Hopefully this is all making sense. Um, We quite often like to um, like to push the battle off, like I do. I like try to think it's like off, but the the battles in our hearts, like Adam and Eve, they weren't like getting tempted by something out there and around. 
it was like a battle in their heart. They were being tempted by what their eye had desired, the desired to have it. They wanted to be like God. Like he was just tempting the thing. You know, like the battle is in our hearts. And um, that's where Jesus needs to win. He needs to win in my heart and he needs to win in your heart. He needs to... Um, what have we got to lose, like really? Like what, what have we got to lose? Like we can live like half pie Christian lives and get to the end and go, yep, things are much the same as when I started this Christian journey. I've been Christian for like 20 years and I'm like, I'm like... Why is it taking me this long to learn this? And um, I felt like God said to me, um, as he was like um, bringing me through this time of confession where like lots of stuff was coming out. Like, I'll tell you another story just because I can. Um, these glasses, I had a pair of glasses. I rang up um, and they used to drop off my face and I was just, I was angry. And so I was angry and these glasses would slip off my face. I was trying to do something. So I got my glasses and I threw them down on the ground. And I'm um, just in a fit of rage. And they broke in front of me. This is Nathan. Um, I rang up my insurance company. He said, my glasses have broken. And um, they slipped off my face. I tried to catch them and kicked them and they broke. And then God later on says, like, you lied. That's not what happened. Like, you didn't just, you know, you, well, you can work out the story. Um, so then he's like, you need to ring up the insurance company. And so I ring up the insurance company. I'm like, yeah, hi. Um, about a year ago, I made a claim on some glasses. And um, I want to make it right because I um, lied. You asked me if I was telling the truth. I said, yes, I wasn't telling the truth. I lied. And I'm, uh, um, I want to pay for the glasses, that um, thing. And I said, what actually happened is I threw them down in a fit of rage, and that's why they broke. I told you that I just dropped them and they broke. And they said, um, oh, oh, no, let me look at your claim. That looks like you're still covered. And I'm like, no, you don't understand what I'm trying to tell you. Like, I lied to you. You asked me if I lied. Thing, and, then, and they said, no, no, I'll talk with my manager, but as far as I can see, you're still covered and it's all still good. I hung up the phone. I was like, God, why are you so gracious to me? Why do I experience so much love and kindness when I, when, I, when I treat other people like this? Like, why do I get, like, this favor to, like, confess a sin to a thing and they don't even make me pay? It doesn't cost me anything except a little bit of pride, which I was trying to get rid of anyway. <laughs> um... Yeah, so I've spent lots of time dealing with the hypocrite in me. Um, he, he's, he's, he sticks up his wee head every now and then, eh? And I just, oh, I'm just, God, just take his head off. Just take his head off. Don't let him um, do, have his way in me anymore. I just don't want to be that man. Uh, anyway, I'll... Um, so... Within saying all that, that through this process, um, God's brought um, some people along with me. Like I wouldn't been able to, like I wasn't even like passionate really about prayer. Like I prayed, but like not like prayed. Like I couldn't care less about the church prayer meeting. Like why would I go to that? Like, like I got better things to do with my time than to do that. But through this process of God like drawing me to himself and changing my heart, like man, prayer is like 
pretty much all we've got. <laughs> it's pretty much all we've got. So I've been um, like God would bring some people around me to pray with. And um, some of these guys have come along tonight. You're always here. That's good. Um, but yeah, like he's, he's brought some people around me. And then even like um, Ruben here, he... Uh, would come along to my workplace like God would like just work out a plan and then like someone with the same heart that has a desire to see a workplace changed would come and like start working a a broken man a broken man like me that we could share like brokenness but like walk forward knowing that God's somehow working a plan out um, in our midst and now um, so at work we've started like let's let's pray together like we should like pray together like if we're actually serious about like God doing stuff in our workplace, like let's start praying together. And we had like, how long have we been praying? About a year, maybe? Two years? It was that long. Uh, for work. Yeah, 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 a year for work. Um, and so we're like praying for work and our prayer would be like, God, could you just change the people around us? God, could you just be merciful to them? God, could you just have your way in them? And God, we just want to see, like it would be just real cool if one person in our workplace got saved and everyone else goes, whoa, they're different. Like they're actually really, really different. They're not the same anymore. Like, and this is what our our prayer was. And um, God's like, he's done it. He's doing it. Like there's this one guy and he works with us and God is transforming him and renewing his mind. Just the other day, he said to me, he says, like, like this God thing, it, it changes everything, doesn't it? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, it changes everything. He says, well, I used to be like, nah, I'm not for immigrants. I don't want any of them in our country. And now I like read through John and find out that we're meant to be loving and kind and caring. And we should really be welcoming those people in. Like, it changes my whole worldview. Like, everything has to change. Um, there's a real, like, a cool story. I don't know, have you heard of Ivan Roberts? Anyone heard of Ivan Roberts? He's like a, a coal miner, eh? And I was thinking, yeah, slate miner, coal miner, yep. Um, he um, was in Wales, and there was this revival um, that broke out in Wales. And um, Ivan Roberts was sort of like the, the the main sort of like like sort of like people looked to as like he was the one that started and sort of like made this thing carry on. And um, I was thinking about Huntley, and I was like, oh, like what's Huntley got buried in this valley? Like you know, and there's like coal. And um, and the thing about like the things that we uncover in in the valley. Uh, they burn. Like, it's a good thing for the altar. Like, it's a good thing, like, as you confess sin, you throw it on and it makes you burn. Like, it, it's like fuel for the fire. It's like, I don't need, like, this, this wheat and chaff and stuff. Like, make some gold. Like, and you biff the stuff on the fire. I should tell another wee story. Oh, well, just quickly. Man, I like really good at stealing stuff. Like, that is, like, in my heart. I'm really good at stealing stuff. So there's, we're over at the Raglan, um, and there's this batch um, that the family owns, and we turn up at the batch, and there's a, a motor for a boat sitting out the front. And I'm like, man, 
That's like a moat I've always wanted. <laughs> and it's just sitting here. Oh, well, I should probably see whose it is, try and find out. So we talked to the people that were in the house before. No, they didn't know anything about it. Oh, I'll just take it um, home to my place and then see if I can work out. Thing probably should tell the police because I think I know it's stolen and I've just dumped it there to come back and get. But I'll take it to my house anyway, just for safekeeping. Um, for two years, that motor sat in my garage. I couldn't ever use it in Raglan because someone might see that it's their motor and be like, hey, like, what, what, what are you? That's mine. And I'd be like, well, probably is. <laughs> so I couldn't ever use it. And, um, and then I was like, I got, to the, I got to the point, like quite down the track, like I brought a, an inflatable boat that could, the motor could go on. Like I was, I was like well down the track in my sin and deceit. And I was like, get it all ready thing. And then this conviction just fell. And like God was like, what are you doing? Like with this. This is the thing. It's like, and I'm, I'm like, oh, well, I suppose I should ring up the police. So I phone up the police and say I've got this motor that I've had for two years, maybe stolen, and take it into the police, take it off the back of the ute, take it into them, and they're like, um, yeah, I'll, no one normally claims these things. Um, do you want it back if no one claims it? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I've always wanted the motor. Yeah, 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 I want it back. Anyway, two days later, I'm like, the phone is going hot. I'm like, yep, um, yeah, so that motor that you've brought in, it's um, been stolen, whereabouts do you find it? They needed to know the story about how I got the stolen motor, and uh, it had been reported and things, so like every, like the police were saying, you know, what thing? And I'm like, yep, I stole it. In my heart, I wanted it more than someone else. And, um, and he, he says, oh, no, no, as far as I'm concerned, you've done nothing wrong. I said, no, no, I have done something wrong. I've sinned against God. Like, that was not mine to take, and I took it. Like, I'm a thief, and I lied about it as well. This is in me. This is the stuff that needs to come out. Because I'm not the only one with stories like this. I can guarantee it. Because we're all fallen. We're all sinful men and women. We're all in a place where we've got hidden stuff that we're shamed about, that we don't want to bring out. But if God's going to use us as he wants to use us, those hidden things are going to have to come out. And as we do that, the mountain peaks just fall into the valley. Pride comes off. We no longer struggle with it. Because we're free. Like I didn't stand here condemned. He didn't come into the world to condemn the world. And I love this other verse. He says, like, he says, have, he, he says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. And we think of that verse. We, oh, man, wonder if there's some sin in this person. I'll expose it in him. No, that verse is very much expose it. It's in you. Get it out. Come to the foot of the cross and surrender all to him. We want it. We want this thing. We want all mankind to see the salvation of God. We want it. We need it. If we don't have it, we're lost forever. Like if we don't have that, if this nation doesn't know that God has a plan of salvation for them, man, we're going into some dark times and we're already heading there. Like, let's sort ourselves out so that Jesus can walk through us 
can come and like minister to the people around us, can come and set us free. Um, prepare the way, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads, they'll become straight and the rough ways smooth and all mankind will see God's salvation. Um, I'll just pray for you guys. Eh? And, oh, this is, no, I'll just share this a bit. Um, because it's impossible if we don't walk with him. And that's what I mean, like disciples get close enough to hear the rebuke and discipline. Like we move towards him and um, we're close enough to hear him. And um, like John, John Wesley, um, he, on his deathbed, he says, this is the greatest thing of all, that God is with us. God is with us because he loves us. He's slow to anger. He's rich in love. Like he's all of these things that we must know. Um, so that we can experience the other side of the coin, which is rebuke and discipline. It says in Revelations, he rebukes and disciplines those he loves. If you've heard the rebuke, if you've heard the discipline, he loves you. He's he's not willing to let you stay the way you are. He's not willing to let me stay the way I am. He's good. He's so good to me. Um, And... uh, Moses, as he was saying, as, as he was going into the, the promised land, he was like, um, God, go with us. Like, and God's like, yeah, 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 I'll go with you. He says, if you don't go with us, we'll be the same as everyone else. No one, we'll have nothing to set us apart. We'll be no different than whoever or whatever's just working in our workplace. If you don't go with us, God, can I carry your presence with me in my workplace? God, could you like walk through my life and touch the people around me? Um, I'll pray. Eh? God, if I've said words tonight, let them fall on deaf ears. But if you've said words tonight, God, let them fall on soft hearts, God. God, prepare a way for yourself. Make straight paths in us, Lord. May every valley be filled in, Lord God, and every mountain made low. May the crooked roads in our lives be made straight. Hold on the rough ways made smooth that all people would see your salvation, God. We desire it for our neighbours, God, for the, for the dairy owner, Lord God, for the, for the people at the, at the pub. God, we desire it, Lord God, for the people at the marae. Lord God, we desire it for the coal miners, Lord God, that they would see your salvation, Lord God. We ask you to show yourself here in Huntley, Lord God. Lord God, we ask you to pour out your spirit in like a new and fresh way, Lord God, that it's undeniable that it's you, God. We want you. Nothing else, nothing that man's got. God, we want you. We so want you, Lord God. Lord God, we want you to walk through our lives, Lord God, and show yourself. Lord, I pray this be true in this place. Lord, authenticity. Lord God, no shame. Lord God, but um, just a hunger for you. In Jesus' name, we pray in the strong and mighty name of Jesus, the blood that washes all sin away. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist at extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com.